Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin. We spent a wonderful weekend in Chicago for the Men's ITA National Indoor Championships. Produced so much great content while there. We got the chance to talk with so many teams, so many coaches, get them for interviews. All of that content you can find at CrackedRackets.com on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Definitely check out our YouTube channels if you want to see those interviews in full because they will all be there. Another thing we did throughout the weekend, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have made a few friends, or at least I like to think they're friends. They might say otherwise in the tennis uh, Twitter community thus far. Got to spend the weekend doing uh, round recaps with Chris Halioris of College Tennis Ranks. Unfortunately, after the quarterfinal day, we weren't able to do one for the semifinals and finals. And obviously, a ton of fascinating tennis has transpired uh, since those since that last podcast. So, joining me for our final recap of the 2019 ITA National Indoors from College Tennis Ranks. He was, again, with me all weekend long doing these podcasts, and I like to affectionately refer to him as the ITA's most wanted. It is Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot, and welcome back to the pod. As always, glad to be here, Alex. Uh, did did you have fun this weekend? What did you think of the content? Did we get enough out there? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, too. You know, I'm, I'm, I get all kinds of feedback when we're there, and I had, had folks even, uh, you know, when we – we didn't do the night because the night matches didn't finish till nine thirty or ten o'clock at night. And I start getting uh, in the middle of the night. I'm getting uh, I'm getting messages like, "Hey, are you guys going to do the recap for the night?" Uh, <laughs> so, and I've got those when I wake up in the morning. So, so yeah, I think we uh, yeah we got a lot out there, and it was I mean it was an absolute blast. Obviously, I mean we're sitting there for twelve straight hours watching uh, watching good tennis all day. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It was so flattering, some of the responses we got. And I want to thank all of the players and coaches who took the time to come to talk to us, Chris. Uh, you know, I don't mean to speak for you, but I think it's fair to say it was such an open event. So many people so kind, so candid with the things they had to say, so willing to talk about college tennis, how to promote it, how they think the sport should be covered. Just give their honest opinions on all things going on. And so it was so fun to be there. But because we were so close to the action, I'm sure you and I have both developed biases by now we had to bring in a third party viewer he is a cracked rackets writer a man who comes on this podcast way more often than he should and we thank him for it every time and the personification of tennis cocaine matt stokoyak hey great shot and welcome back to the podcast we missed you this weekend yeah what's up boys hey i just have to say (laughs) great job with the coverage loved every bit of it i was following along the whole time but Hopefully you guys missed me a little bit. I was I was really hoping to be there, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to do it another time. I got to see you in Winston Salem, and I was spoiled because we had such a great time for NCAs last year, and we were able to do the podcast all three of us. So we definitely did miss you, Matt. That's why we had to bring you back on from you know for the semifinal and final recap. And before we get into those matches, I just want to ask in general because we haven't had the chance to talk. What were your thoughts on this weekend on everything that went down? Did it go, you know, it it was a crazy weekend, but did you kind of expect that craziness going in? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's, you know, we hit we hit on that a little bit uh before the tournament started. There were so many teams that were really really good and they had been playing well going into the event. So, you know, we didn't really know exactly what was going to happen and I think that definitely uh 
that definitely stayed true. There was a lot of unpredictability, and you know, I wanted to tune in for every match I could. You guys were there, so you got to see every bit of it. But yeah, no, phenomenal tournament. Uh, I, I loved it. So this is where I want to start because you brought up a point of you wanted to watch all of these matches. And I, again, am so thankful for, to the ITA, to uh, the Midtown Tennis Center for hosting us. It was such a wonderful event. The facilities were awesome. I ate the same turkey, bacon, Swiss sandwich every morning, always to satisfaction. So, you know, no qualms with them. want to give them major props thanks to the volunteers, line judges, etc. But I have to say, for people streaming at home, Given that it's 2019, how we didn't have live streams on every court, and I know there are three back courts that were played the even matches on one, and then the two courts for five and six, and you know five courts. Considering seven of the courts did have live streaming, you could always see the doubles points. That's very good. So a plus to you, ITA. But for NTAAs, Chris, we got to make sure you know there's a way to stream all of these courts. And is that something you saw in your conversations with people throughout you know the weekend? Oh, yeah, especially coming down. I mean, the biggest one, obviously, was the final when you had the last three matches on court for Ohio State and Wake were 2-4-6, which happened to be the three courts with no live stream. So uh, so there were there were a lot of a lot of comments there. But, you know, I mean, it, it would be nice if if they had that. And and for NCAAs, I'm sure uh, in Orlando, as long as you're outdoors, you're good indoors. They've got play site there. Um, I, I've tried to watch the play site uh, streams on, uh, unfortunately, the tennis channel matches that they've had so far to date that keep getting moved indoors <laughs> due to rain. Uh, and it hasn't, the, unfortunately, you know, the, it's it's been a lot of freezing up. So hopefully they get that worked out ahead of time. But hopefully we don't have to go indoors and uh, and everything's outdoors there. And I don't know how many, I don't know if they've got streams on all of the outdoor courts they would play on or not down, so, down there. This is where I get to drop some knowledge because Max and I played there for the Club Tennis National Championships. They oh, do have is- stream capabilities on all of those courts. They will be ready. And I, I'm not trying – if anyone at the ITA listens to this, I'm not trying to rip on you. I, I totally understand how difficult it is to set up all these live streams. And again – Seven of the courts had it. That that was that was excellent. I got to see all of the late matches. You know, Illinois, Texas. Uh, I had some friends in town, so I wanted to meet up with them, and I didn't get to stay for the end of that match. But I was able to see some of the stream, and I was able to see all of the odd courts. That's great. But just NCAA's Matt, I can't. Uh, you know, Matt, I, I just can't imagine how frustrating that must have been from your perspective. Yeah, it was. But, you know, overall, again, I don't want to rip anybody because I, I, I got to watch a lot of tennis throughout the weekend. And, you know, it was just that final, you know, everybody wants to tune into that. And, you know, I had to flip it over to the live scoring and just, you know, keep track of the scores that way since the stream wasn't up on those final three courts. But, you know, all in all, I think they'll get that corrected when it matters most at NCAAs and we'll be good to go. Yeah, and I just felt like we had to bring it up because it was certainly a thing. You could see pockets of tennis Twitter getting frustrated that they couldn't see some of the matches, so I just wanted to address that at the beginning. But, man, the tennis we did see was phenomenal all weekend long. I mean, so many close matches, so many deuce points, so many close calls, all of the things that are most intriguing about college tennis. You got to see all of them this weekend. And, again, in terms of recaps, let's start with our semifinals. If you want to hear about any of the other matches, check out the previous podcasts Chris and I did. Let's start with Wake Forest and UNC. You know, For Wake Forest coming into this match, they, they make the decision. We are playing Borna Gojo in doubles. And, 
you you guys don't get to hear the private conversations Chris and I have. A lot of them involve him getting mad at me about something I definitely did wrong, so justifiably mad at me. But we have a lot of fun banter back and forth, and we were talking about the doubles lineup, and we were saying, you know, oh, is this the day Gojo comes in at doubles? And I was saying, well, maybe he goes uh, to number or number two, and you have Petros and Bar stay at one, and Chris, being the wise guy he is, goes, no, 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 no. Gojo and Gajev, if they come back, they play one doubles for sure. That's what we saw, and in the end, that decision pays huge dividends for Coach Bresky. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was it was time to time to bring him back into the doubles lineup, and uh, and they end up getting a. I mean, they go to a breaker, and they go to a breaker on on three as well uh, in the doubles point, uh, and the the one at one was the one they obviously they ended up needing because they lost the one in the breaker at three, uh, but then Petros and Barr took care of uh, Boyden and Blumberg at at two. Uh, and that was, you know, that that was that was clearly the difference maker in the match in the end. Yeah, I, I thought both teams came out playing w- with purpose in doubles, with that added intensity of knowing, hey, it's a free for all in singles. You know, the top three of Wake Forest, we knew they had to get the job done in this match if they wanted to make rounds because North Carolina has that depth. When you're able to play a Bo, a Bo Boyden at six singles in this match, that's obviously a huge strength for your team. And Matt, I want to ask you, coming into this match, these are two ACC teams, two teams you knew well. Um, I mean, you've got to ex- you expected the Tar Heels were going to put up a fight in singles, right? This match was still anyone's to win. Oh, 100%. Absolutely, with their depth at the bottom of the lineup. But one point that I do want to bring up that I find interesting with both of these teams uh, with their doubles is that I think both teams have gotten significantly worse in doubles this year. You know, Wake loses Skander Mansori, Christian Serafim, and Ian Dempster, three out of their top six doubles players for them. And, you know, this year I, I really think that you know, they won this doubles point against UNC, but they end up losing it to Ohio State. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, you know, for UNC, they lose Robert Kelly, who is an All-American in, in doubles for them as well. It's just both of these teams, you know, last year played such good doubles. And I think both coaches, Coach Bresky and Coach uh, Sam Paul, are going to have to figure out what to do with their doubles lineups a little bit or just see if they can improve throughout the course of the year because UNC has lost several doubles points now. I know they lost a point to Duke, Texas, and uh, Wake here at least. So that's three doubles points that they've already lost throughout the year. Um, but, you know, their singles can can make up for that against a lot of teams, but it, it wasn't quite enough here, you know, against a team like Wake. Well, we'll talk about all of these teams in, in depth more like you mentioned. Or we'll talk about, you know, the big takeaways a little bit after we do these match recaps. But one of the things I think I have to mention – why Ohio State thrived, or maybe some of these other teams didn't, why they were so ha- able to have so much success. They have teams in doubles that they know work, and that's a, the big thing for a lot of these teams right now. You know, we, we, we'll talk about Mississippi State, I'm sure, a little bit later, but they won a lot of doubles points because they, I think they went two for three on the weekend because they knew what teams they wanted at what spots. And when you can go two of three in these matches, you know, you'd like to win the doubles point every time. Ohio State did. That's why they won this tournament, but it's hard to do that. Two out of three is something good to take away from this weekend. And if I'm North Carolina, I just I don't see a scenario where Will Blumberg stays at two doubles for the remainder of the season, right, Chris? I mean, even though he took a loss in this match. Yeah, well, that, I, 
leave the pairings the same. I, I don't I don't see Boyden and Blumberg playing one. So unless they mix the pairings up and get Blumberg up to one, uh, I think that's that's the only way he that he will move up. And that may be given the fact that they're not having a lot of double success. They you know Sam Paul may very well go and decide we're going to try some different things here and mix the doubles teams up all together and get Blumberg back up at one doubles. I I think against Texas. Uh, Sam Paul put Blum and Seguin together at one and moved Boyden with Cernok at two. I'm not 100% certain, but I'm, I'm almost certain that, that he did that, and they still lost the doubles point at two and three. I think they, they won at court one but lost two and three. So they've tried a few different things, and it hasn't really worked either way. So I don't know what else he can do. Well, I think one of the big things I learned this weekend in terms of Will Blumberg, and we'll transition this into the singles from this match, you know, I did not know Blumberg had surgery in December. I think he had a shoulder or elbow problem, so it was a minor surgery, but he is still working his way back from that, and in this match, a big turning point, you know, the Tar Heels took the second set at two singles. Anytime you can take a set from Petros Risokos, that's a huge momentum boost for your team. They had gotten a win at four singles. They had gotten a win at six singles. They had gotten, you know, uh, things were looking up for them. They had gotten third sets at, or uh, third set at three singles, maybe even won the first set there. And then the turning points, you know, start to happen. For Blumberg, he's up a set and a break, and for him to, you know, blow that lead and I, I, I don't mean to say he underperformed. Borna Gojo also fought his way back like crazy. You know, he clawed out of so many scenarios in that match. But when Gojo started to come back, Chris, I think that was the turning point in the match. Yeah, I, I was I was watching that, and it looked for a little while. It actually looked like Carolina had a had a shot at just running running it to four uh, one and only losing the doubles point, and then. Then the tables just turned on a, on a on a bunch of the matches, but yeah, I, I mean, I think for Carolina to win bl- bl- after losing the doubles point, they had to get that win out of Blumberg that they didn't get. Uh, and it's, it, but there were, you know, they had chances up and down the line. It, they were up a break, I think five three in the unfinished match so looked so that was you know probably going to make it a three all match. So it really came down to to the last match on. And I, I would be remiss if I did not rave about my favorite player on the weekend, Petros Risokos, a senior leader out there, clearly you know, playing inspired tennis, clearly the emotional focal point of that team. For him to lose the second set, come back and play, I think he was up a break, then he got broken again for three all in the third, holds for 4-3, breaks for 5-3, holds on a deuce point after being up 40 love for 6-3 set there. I mean, that's the type of leadership it takes, and... Uh, I have a, some mixed thoughts on Borna Gojo. When he's on, it's tremendous, but he does definitely dip low mentally, sometimes gets down on himself. I still think Gojo at one, Frisokos at two, Botser at three. It's not as though Wake Forest doesn't have talent at the bottom of their lineup, so if they can figure some things out, I mean, they're as well-positioned as every, any team to win the NCAA title in May, and I know you know, they're number three seed coming into this. That's not exactly a hot take, but Matt, it was you know nice to see Gojo, who hasn't played this much this year, show this type of form, come back to beat Blumberg in that third. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are two guys that play each other often. You know, ACC rivals, I've seen them play myself you know, many, probably at least three or four times. And they, they always seem to have battles. That's the thing. You know, I usually I would favor Blumberg almost every time in that matchup, but 
there's something about when these two play each other. Gojo just he has a way to stay in these matches with Blumberg and he and he's beaten him a couple times now. And you know, they'll go back and forth, but yeah, like Chris already mentioned, this this was the match that that really turned it all around for Wake. I mean, if they don't get this one, you know, it, it could go in the other direction. So, you know, Petros, I'm never going to bet against Petros, you know, even against a, a player as talented as Seguin. I like Petros. And then core three, really, Botzer, I'm going to favor him over a guy like Josh Peck. Even though Josh Peck has improved a lot over the last couple of years, I'm going to roll with Botzer almost every time. So for the heels... Blumberg's really that guy that needs to get that win for them, you know, especially after losing the doubles point. He wasn't able to do it. Huge credit to Gojo. You know, he fought back, played extremely well, and, and that was really all it took. And if you want to see a clip of his match point celebration, because he was very, very amped, he knew how big it was for his team, go check out our Twitter Instagram accounts. You know, we will talk about the 4, 5, and 6 situation in singles for Wake Forest in the, during the final recap, so we'll save that. But a last thought on UNC from you, Chris. They have a ton of depth as well. You know, Brian Cernock at 4, uh, Peck at 3. I think he clinched the quarterfinal match the round before, so we saw him do big things as well. And then their choices at the bottom of the lineup, Sondegard, Boyden, Kiger, they still have some things to figure out, but... The takeaway from this UNC team, and I feel like, again, we're going to say this about every team, is they can compete with anyone on the country. You can't tell me on the right day they can't beat anyone. Oh, absolutely. And, I, I mean, they're a legit top five team. And I think the you know, as we got to see over the weekend, Will Blumberg's playing. But, I mean, having having just come off of surgery, nobody's going to be, you know, 100% ready. And at, at the level you're playing here, when you're playing guys like Goyo, it's, you know, 90% is, you know, it's a point here or there that makes the match. So, you know, give him uh, another, they've got over a month uh, now until they end up seeing Wake in the ACC season. So let him get another month in and, you know, it could be a different story. Maybe not, who knows, but I think either way, as the season progresses, he, as he gets match time under his belt, he's going to get back in form. I mean, you you would never say you expect to see Will Blumberg come into indoors, play three matches over the weekend and not win one. Right. Um, so, and not that he lost them all. I think there was an unfinished match in there. Right. But, uh, but that's just not, you know, that's not him. He's, and he just needs, he needs court time. He needs match time. Uh, and he's got it. He, and he'll get that over the course of the next month. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair, and we will talk more about this UNC throughout uh, the rest of the year, definitely. But let's talk uh, about our other semifinal now, Ohio State. You know, sometimes you see a 4-0 score, and it's not really 4-0. There's a ton of matches in a third set, or the other team was close to winning a couple other matches in straights, and just the way the timing finished kind of went against them. But Chris, this was a pretty thorough 4-0 demolition by the Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah, you you could say that again. I, I mean, mean this when, is... sorry to cut you off, but when they won that doubles point at three, you know, at three doubles when it came down to McNally and Tubert, and they win that doubles point, that tiebreaker seven one. I mean, that's kind of when I thought, uh oh, you know, Texas that really hurt. Oh yeah, well, if you're Texas indoors against Ohio State, I mean, anybody indoors against Ohio State, you're thinking we have to get the doubles point, right? I mean, we need to get the doubles point, and when you don't get the doubles point, now all of a sudden you're just—I mean, obviously you don't give up, but you're thinking, wow, how do we find four singles matches here that's going to be, uh, you know, 
really, really hard, especially when you got JJ Wolf at one, who's just, you know, unbelievable right now. Uh, so, so that was, yeah, that was absolutely a killer. And and like you said, it was never, there was one match uh, that they looked like they potentially, you know, they, they could, they had a point coming their way at five. That was it. I mean, yeah. just, it was, it was going to be a six, one match. No, and, I, and there are two things I want to talk about real quick uh, before the singles, you know, in doubles, the thing we saw in this match, Kyle Selig in, James Trotter out at the number two doubles position. That's something we talked about in our in our earlier round pod of something we thought we could see. And this is another debate we had where I said, well, if Selig comes in, don't they go at the number two position and then McNally and Tubert stay at three? And I believe you said, no, I think they'd have to go to three. But I see here they're number seven in the country. You know, they get an easy 6-2 victory at two doubles, setting up that three-double showdown. And I believe Texas broke Ohio State at five-all, got broken at love at five or at 6-5, serving for the doubles point, and then just the way they lost that breaker. Oh, it's got to hurt. Now, I want to ask you— uh, not you know he doesn't finish in this match, but one of the most consequential players in the Ohio State lineup this weekend, someone who none of us thought would produce these sort of results, Alex Cobalt at five singles. You know, Matt, did you get a chance to see him play this weekend? And if you did, you know, what did you? Th- I mean, the guy is just huge indoors. It's a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, he's got a skill set that's perfect for indoor tennis, and and he showed that. I mean, he he definitely played at a level that. I'll be honest. I mean, I wasn't expecting out of him. I didn't really know that he had that good of a level. But like you mentioned, perfect game for indoor tennis. He hits the ball big. He's a big dude. Um, You know, doubles. He's had a lot of success in doubles. Him and Selig, the reason why they're ranked so high is I think they had a ton of success in the fall. I think they won a bunch of matches together. So, you know, they're ranked there for a reason. And yeah, he, he really came through in singles as well. I mean, I think he's a big part of the reason why Ohio State ended up taking the title, for sure. And, Chris, you mentioned this as well, another big reason. J.J. Wolf at one. You know, you had Cressy, who's a giant. You had Petros. You had all of these players playing phenomenally well. And still, the guy who just stood out above the field this weekend, J.J. Wolf. he wins his match 4-1. and one. You know, we'll talk about the way he just dismissed Gojo in the final as well. He is playing such good tennis right now. Yeah, I mean, it's you hate to say unbeatable because anybody's beatable, but the way he looks right now, he looks unbeatable. I mean, you just can't, you cannot hit him a forehand unless you've got him. And even if he's on the run, I mean, you just you have to have him so far back off the baseline to be able to hit him a forehand. He's going to put any neutral ball away or put you in a really really bad spot it's just so hard i mean just getting games off him right now is ridiculously hard one of the other things i'll say the level at two singles on the two singles court i saw in every match all weekend was just as good as the one singles court in this match john mcnally a guy who i have said if ohio state's going to have success this year he's going to be the one who has to really step up at that two position which is a tough position to play and man, against Ito, I mean, the Buckeyes indoors were just, they were too much to handle. And I guess, Matt, setting the scene for the final, were they your favorites coming in? Or did you think Wake, you know, was going to be the team, given they have the experience, given they beat the Buckeyes in last year's NCAA final? You know, what were you thinking going into that match? 
uh, going into the final, for sure, I mean, I, I thought it was Ohio State's to lose. Just the form that they had been in. I mean, we talk about J.J. Wolf looking unstoppable. They have just rolled teams all year long. Hadn't lost a match. Wake did drop that match earlier in the season. So, no, heading into the final, I definitely thought that Ohio State had an advantage. And, you know, I figured it would most likely come down to the doubles. I mean, I knew whichever team won that doubles point was going to was gonna have a huge advantage and probably be able to win three singles. Winning four singles at that stage, super tough. But, uh, you know, I don't think anybody in their right mind could have – you know, the way that Wake was kind of squeaking by a little bit, they had some struggles. They were getting through those matches against UNC, um, you know, against UCLA earlier in the tournament, but Ohio State was looking phenomenal. I mean, all the way, they didn't drop a point. They, You know, they didn't drop a point up until that final match, so... No, it, it was special, and then, you, you know, you get into that final, you know, Wake brings out the same doubles point as they did, in the, or lineup as they did in the semis, Gojo, Gajev get the win at one doubles over Wolf and Joyce, Selig again plays for the Buckeyes at two doubles, they get the win 6-1 there, I'm sure Petros and Barr did not expect that, given, you know, that's a supposed to be a lock position for Wake Forest, and again, it comes down to a tiebreaker at three doubles, and if I'm Coach Ty Tucker, the lineup decision I am happy I happiest I have made is Hunter Tubert, John McNally at three. The aggression they play with. I just think Hunter Tubert indoors, he is a senior on his last, you know, year on the job. This is a guy who knows how to play indoor tennis, who knows Ty Tucker's system as well as any player of the team, implements it so disciplined, you know, so disciplined about how he goes about his business on the court. When Tucker, who's a fiery personality, and that was confirmed this weekend as well, is barking at him on the sideline. He's responds so well you know he's enthusiastic he's keeping his team energized and I mean Chris it just Banthea played great you know Julian Zablinski is as loud as they come on the court with his allays but I I, I just think Coach Tucker made the right choice if you're looking at the lineup decisions that were most consequential this weekend Coach Tucker making this decision for his doubles lineup Selig with Cobalt at two McNally Tubert at three that may have won them the tournament yeah, I think they were going to win anyway. But. <laughs> <laughs> but. Well, look, if they lose this doubles point, it comes down to a third set, Petros-McNally, then it's a toss-up, and you probably lean Petros. Oh, yeah, I'm never going to bet against Petros. As I was tweeting during the match, uh, you know, I, I saw Petros go down three love to Andrade out at, uh, I, I said initially All-Americans, but I believe that was actually the fall national championships in the third, and then he rips off six straight games. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm not, not that I'm, not that I want to compare Andre to McNally, but but that's it's all about Petros, right? He's you, he's so hard to close out. You think you're up, you're up a break. It doesn't matter. He's gonna, you know, just like McNally had, was up the break in the second, and and it's so and it's not because McNally played bad, but Petros just fine. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's that good that you can't close him out. He's gonna find a way to to get there, and you're gonna really have to be playing your best to to finish him off. So so yeah, I, I think. I think you had to at least you had to lean towards Petros coming back to get that match. So then then you were down to okay. So then we got to get one of the other two matches, you know, left between uh, between Joyce and and then uh, Tubert and Banthia, right? And and they don't get the Tubert match. Tubert was that it was actually I within a span of probably three four minutes maybe. Ohio State was up breaks on all three of those courts 
and then they were all erased and all of a sudden we had a match uh you know it was just looking like uh you got you're up a break in three matches all you got to do is have one of them and 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 first mcnally loses his break and then uh and then uh so we had tubert lost his he was the last to lose and then on four oh, and then joyce joyce lost his break next and then tubert lost his break tubert's match ended up finishing quickly and he ended up losing the match but uh but yeah, it was it, it really was coming down to 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 looking like it, it that was the match that was going to decide it. it was was Joyce's match. Yeah, and you know, Matt, we we alluded to this in the semifinal recap, but the, one of the big question marks that comes out of this tournament, you know, I think Milos Efstathiu, and I'm sure I mispronounced that, so I'm sorry, Wake fans out there. Him at four, Yuval Solomon, Sid Banthia, you've got uh, Julian Zablinski, you've also got Resert Kongu. Figuring out who who plays best four five six for Coach Bresky is going to be something he's constantly working on all year long, and I think Joyce and Cobelt presented uniquely difficult matches indoors. Those are two guys six five six six bombs for serve are moving in as much as they can, playing aggressively. It's hard for baseliners like Estathu and Solomon to handle that really indoors, but outdoors they have enough talent to find a lineup that works, right, Matt? Like, I'm not crazy for thinking that. I think this indoors, you know, them losing at 4-5, and five, which they did a lot this week, while it's not great, I, the talent's there. Yeah, it is there, but I do believe that this is a bit of an issue for Tony Bresky. I, I think he's, he's going to have to work a little bit to sort this out because you mentioned the options that he has on the team, the Kungus, the Zablinskis, Solomon... Um, you know, he's got Gadjeev in there, uh, if stop you, there, there's a lot of options that he can go with, but here's my thing. Are any of those guys really super reliable? Are any of them going to be locks to win against the top teams? You know, we look at some of these other top teams in their depth and we say, oh, you know, that guy at six is a lock to win. You know, we look at a Blaine Boyden at UNC. He's almost a lock at number six every time. Guys like that, I don't think Wake, I don't think Wake has that. They have depth, they have options, but are those guys good enough against the best teams to, to come through when they need it the most, that I'm not so sure about. That's a bit of a problem for Wake. Ty Tucker has it a little bit easier. His lineup is pretty cut and dried. I mean, he knows Cobalt's down there at five. You've got Tubert at six. I don't think there's too much that he has to really sort out for Wake. It's the complete opposite. You know, we say it's good to have options, but at the same time, these options, it, it's something to juggle with. All right, so so before we get too far ahead of ourselves here, but a gonna, couple. I think you a, and I are about to agree on a lot, Chris. A, a couple things. So first of all, what if I told you Wake wins the doubles point? Yeah, no. You I think mean, they're going to win that. You think they win this match? Yes, because well, if we continue with the results, so I'm taking Petros in that third set over McNally, right? So if if right. if they win the dubs point. I'm going to say Petros wins, Bar obviously won at three, and then they won at six. So, yes, I would have given them the – So they win 4-3. Four, 4-3, three. Four, three, correct. Okay, so now let's throw Ian Dempster in the doubles lineup. Is, he, yeah. is Ian Dempster on their team? Ian Dempster is back on the roster. What? 
What? If you go out, to, if you go to the Wake roster, he is now on the roster. He was not on the roster previously. He's now showing on the roster. Uh, I mean, okay. Well, somebody's going to have to explain that to me because I thought he was a graduate student last year, exercising his last year of eligibility. I need clarification on that. If that's the case, well, yeah, that changes everything. I talked about Wake's doubles before. You know, losing exactly. So, but. I don't, so you throw him in at three dubs with maybe Zlabinski, uh, I'm not sure, and their doubles teams get significantly better now. And we're still talking indoors, so now they may have won this match indoors, and and they're going to get better uh, in, in, at that case. And then on the flip side, when we take this outdoors, the points that you're making about the Ohio State lineup, I'm not so sure. Ohio State's, they're in the same boat. Thank you. With, I was, yes, we with agree. questions. Yep, yeah, as yep, soon yep. as we go outdoors, I seriously doubt we're going to see Cobalt five and Tubert six. We could, but okay. I mean, Cobalt's game, he's great indoors. I'm not saying he's bad outdoors. I haven't seen him, but you can clearly watch his game and say, this guy's a stud indoors. Well, let's, let's, now, let's forget about Ohio State for a second. How about all the other teams at the top that Wake may have to play outdoors? like a Florida or a Mississippi State or a USC Trojan team, those teams with their depth, I mean, if you look at four through six on those squads outdoors, I mean, oh, for sure. Take, I mean, I, you know, Wake still to me, I don't like their four through six, even, even outdoors, you know, forget about Ohio State for a second. What I meant was Wake outdoors Let's look at some of those other teams at the top of uh, Virginia, of Virginia. Let's say I like Virginia's depth as well. You know, guys well, at four, five and six, Gianni Ross, uh, Ryan gets Lee's in at six. I don't know about wake man still against those teams. And well, what, if I may, I think this is a perfect place to, you know, sort of transition into our big takeaways from the match. Obviously, Ohio State, congratulations to them on the title. This is their second national indoor title in, in the men's program history. A huge moment for Coach Tucker. You know, obviously, when you get a recruiting class like J.J. Wolf, John McNally, and you can win with those guys at the top of your lineup, all, all of these guys, Midwest guys, uh, very few of them five-star recruits. You know, he a lot. Of, I think they're all from America as well. It's always a cool thing to see that sort of development happen at a school but you talk about the takeaways from this event I think as college tennis fans we we grew so accustomed to the USC four Pete lineups where they have Yannick Hoffman and Emilio Gomez both top 200 pros at five and six at some point at the UVA teams where you have JC Aragoni Henrik Wiersholm at five and six those are guys both who have professional titles and that spoiled us we have to keep in mind those two teams are are two of the best dynasties in NCAA history. Those aren't the teams that you expect year in and year out. Those were the exceptions, not the rule. And I think, as Chris mentioned, something we're going to see from all of these teams throughout the year. What is the lineup that works best for you? Now, for the Buckeyes, as Chris mentioned, Joyce, Cobalt, Tubert, indoors, you're in trouble if you're playing them. And that's really good at the bottom of your lineup. But outdoors, I haven't seen a single team where I've said, you know, that's the lineup 100%. If they keep this, they're the national champions. And I know 
it's only February, so it's totally fine that that's the case. But I don't think any team is set on their lineup decisions yet. And, you know, I want to run through the rest of the results uh, from that Sunday real quick. Uh, Notre, uh, Mississippi State gets their first win of the weekend. They knock out uh, Notre Dame 4-2. Columbia knocks off a Baylor team still missing their top two players 4-1, although Columbia... Ooh, they looked good this weekend. We can talk about them in a little bit. Uh, TCU continues their good form. They knock off a UCLA team that's just losing ankles left and right 4-0. Virginia knocks off USC, and the first time these two school plays, and it hasn't mattered since like 2010, Virginia beats them 4-1. Stanford knocks off a Florida team that was just desperate to get home and get some rest 4-1. And Illinois ends the night with a thrilling match uh, against Tulane that they win 4-3. Now, before I let you guys go, I know we've done a lot of recapping, but we're only at the 36-minute mark, and you know usually I keep you guys for two hours, so I think we have time to do this. I want to run through a couple of questions, ask you guys your takeaways from this event. If you want uh, even more depth on these answers, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. There will be an article where Stokowiak, Chris, me, Christian Harris, Ryan Cardiff answer these questions in depth, but... Let's start here, Chris. Of the 16 teams in the field, and I'm going to ask you for time reasons, keep it to one team only because I'm sure we'll all talk about someone different. The team that surprised you the most was? TCU. Okay, give me the case. So I we knew they were good. Look, they went 4-3 with Florida right before they came to indoors, right? And I knew as a 15 seed that they were underrated, but you didn't know how good because you looked at that lineup and you said, hey, you got – Rybakov, Gray, and Stalder, one, two, three. That's solid. Then you go Kruger, Famba, Yang, and or Jong Yang. I'm not sure how he says it. Is you're thinking mm, that's going to be like a lot of teams. That's going to be the weak spot. And uh, and boy, it, it was. I won't say it was the opposite because one, two, and three were good, but four, five, and six were great. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure Famba lost. Jong was crushing people, uh, even people he had played earlier in the year. And Kruger went undefeated. I mean, those guys were impressive. The only downside to the TCU game all weekend was doubles. I mean, they were not they, – they certainly weren't – you know, they didn't look fantastic. They didn't look bad, but they didn't look fantastic in doubles. But that their singles lineup up and – I mean, all the way through – looked outstanding uh and i they're gonna be uh i mean and as i've stated on a couple of our pods they're still waiting for for one one of their guys the uh, juan martin who's been injured and hasn't played yet to get into the lineup and is only going to make them even better and get i mean i would have to assume now they end up with questions if that happens because their their lineup is set lock solid right now as it is if nobody comes back with four five six now, if you throw a guy in there that's going to be in the lineup, you start going. Famba stays in, Young stays in. What do we, you know? He's got Rodini's got a little a little luxury, but they just looked they looked absolutely outstanding in singles. The win over Mississippi State was impressive. The four zero win over UCLA just phenomenal. And I thought Alex Rybakov played as well at the one position as any player I saw all weekend. When you have a senior at one who's as good as he is, a guy who has professional aspirations, that's a huge benefit for your team. You know, we've seen the Torp guards over the years, the Sobdem Devarman. You can go through a long list, Steve Johnson's guys who can, when you can have that sort of solid player at one, it can be so beneficial for your team. All right, um, Matt, any thoughts on TCU? And if not, who's your most surprising team? Yeah, no, that was absolutely the one that I had written down uh, for all the points that Chris made. 
I don't want to talk about any other team because that's really the team that I felt like surprised. Oh come me. on, give me give me a different case. I know you've got another one. I, in I don't you. have another one in me. That's absolutely <laughs> the one. I'm sorry, but uh, let me go first on the next question so I don't have to uh, repeat that. But Steal. let me let me just hit on the fact that what I wrote down in my answer for our. Uh, little roundtable article is just that their depth. I, I didn't know that their depth was going to perform the way that they did. Four through six was absolutely phenomenal. I did not believe in those guys. Uh, had no idea that they were going to play at that level. They brought it, and and those guys, the lower part of that lineup was really the reason that they were successful and, and played great throughout the whole weekend. So huge credit to them. Uh, and, and Chris, I want to ask you, is that, you said Juan Martin, that's Juan Martin Del Potro coming to play for, uh, <laughs> yeah, he is Argentinian, I believe, okay. but, uh, so, but no, so he's, doesn't he slot in at one, right? <laughs> yeah. No, you know, he, he, he might make five in the lineup. Okay. Yeah. So well, I mean, their depth is going to get even better now. Yeah. You know, he's got, yeah. He's going to have to play behind Rybakov though. Cause yeah. Rybakov's earned that spot. Oh wow. Um, okay. No, uh, then because you didn't say any team, I'm going to give two teams. I'm not going to make you guys listen to my adorations, but I will say this Virginia. I know I made the case for them. Like, Oh, they're so good. That's my squad. They've got all this talent, but they actually showed this weekend that they are really, really good. I mean, they have figured out what they want to do. Nakashima at three. You can actually make a case for because we're holding at two Soderlin at one where that good this weekend they beat a good Stanford team who beat Matt's Florida Gators 4-1 on the last day you know they they lose uh I'm trying but, to think uh, what, you're disowning the Florida Gators one no, pot after saying we they were we and now all of a sudden they're Matt's Florida Gators? no they were always Matt's Florida Chris Gators. this is typical <laughs> this is typical <laughs> This is why I don't like to have guests okay. on more than well, once let, in a row. Let's get, off, let's get off Virginia because we know you love Fair. them. And, t- and uh, tell uh, me the other team you're going to mention is Columbia. No, although I, I, will, I, I wrote about Columbia, so I didn't want to give that case away. That is another one for sure, and you know I'm biased because my guy Tim Wang is playing in their lineup. But the other team I wanted to just make a quick point about – Texas. We said they were for real, and I I don't know if there are actually doubters out there who didn't believe that, but the fact that they came out as confidently as they did to beat an Illinois team in a ruckus environment 4-3 and follow that up with a thorough beatdown of USC 4-0 in a match that they probably would have won 6-1, maybe 7-0 had they played all of the matches out. You know, even though they lost to Ohio State, again, indoors, that Ohio State Buckeyes lineup just so good. They are legit. They are real. If they're leaving this event, you know, yeah, they're disappointed. They're 2-1, and one and they ended the way they did. But they should be confident that they have the talent to compete with any team. Um, well, you, right. Hey, I'll, th- I'll throw one thing on there. They're maybe disappointed, but the one thing those guys have going for them, three weeks from Thursday – they get a rematch with Ohio State outdoors Ooh. at home. So Ohio State goes to – they go to Texas A&M that Monday and Texas that Thursday in, in three weeks. So Texas is already, I'm sure – looking forward to getting a rematch. All these questions about Ohio State are going to be answered very quickly. That's half the fun of a Ty Tucker coach team is they play so many talented teams throughout the year. So, yeah, completely echo what you're saying there. Um, You know, let's move on to a a different note, Matt. And, you know, it was interesting because – 
so many of the players and coaches, particularly the coaches, obviously, and I know, and, and the players though, really as well. And I know they're trying to spin it a little bit, and they all have had some sort of media training. But the thing all of them take away uh, took away from this weekend, they were saying, you know, it's so hard to go one and two, let alone two and one, or actually win this event. And so, just to see where we are at, you know, where we stand compared to other teams, just to have this sort of experience is so beneficial for us. So a lot of you know everything from this is actually positive. But from a fan perspective. Matt, the team you were most disappointed by this weekend. Yeah, so my honorable mention, uh, my my second tier team that I'm disappointed in is gonna is gonna be Florida. Um, you know, say I, it, my Florida Gators. I, say I, it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far, Gruskin. I'm I'm not quite <laughs> like you. Um, but no, look, Florida. Obviously, uh, I did pick them to win the event. I, I've picked them preseason to win the title this year. I'm all in on them. You know, I, I think it's their year. They've got to do it with this team as talented as they are. You know, the reason why they're not 1A for me and they're 1B is because their first match, they did play USC pretty tight. And, you know, that was a match that kind of could have gone either way. It was a good match. Definitely for them to go 1-2, and two, it, it's a disappointment. And I was disappointed for sure. Uh, but the team that I'm I'm a little bit more disappointed in is Mississippi State. Just because, you know, this is a team that is so experienced. They were the number two seed. I thought they had a pretty good chance uh, to be playing for a title, possibly on Monday. And, you know, we talked about TCU already. Big credit to them. They played excellent. um, But MSU won that doubles point. You know, they always win the dubs point. They did in that match. And then they lost four singles. Um you know, for me, that it was a shocker. Uh, you know, Chris, I'm sure you were a little bit shocked. Gruskin, I know you were big on the Bulldogs going into the event. It, they were my pick in the article. That, that's what I'm saying. So for me, I, I'm I'm disappointed in them because, you know, I know I know what they can be. They're a very good team, top to bottom. They don't really have any weak spots in their lineup. They're all experienced. They're well coached. They play great doubles, and they leave the weekend one and two. And, and for me, that's – I don't know if that's quite good enough. You know, granted, they, they played great teams, but their one win comes against a Notre Dame squad that went 0-3. Ah, tough weekend. Tough weekend for them. That's all I can say. I mean, you know, I wasn't there. You guys were there. Chris, obviously, I'm sure you watched every single match. You're going to know a little bit more than me. But, you know, I know those guys are disappointed, you know, in, in their results. They did not want to go 1-2, and two, and – you know, if they weren't going to make the finals, they definitely wanted to go deep and, you know, not lose oh. that first match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, I don't think there's anybody on the team probably that would tell you they, they, they had no plans of coming in and going, uh, going one and two. Uh, it's, I mean, kind of knew there was a, there was a chance of that, uh, the way TCU played Florida, but, but still you get, I mean, you play a play a tough match. It was kind of the same story all weekend, right? We played played good doubles. Nuno's outstanding at one, and then a lot of toss up matches t- and, and really tight ones. Uh, you know, I know at 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 five we we it's six four seven six back to back days to start. Uh, it's they were just there were some tight matches there, but that we just didn't didn't pull out and. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I think it's, that's totally fair. They certainly, certainly were, were, we were hoping to see more and, and I'm sure they wanted to see more as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, the second day really 
when you get Baylor and they and they have no have no Roy Smith, Benitez isn't eligible yet. Uh, yeah, they're they're obviously super deep. You got to take it. I think you have to take advantage of them up top. Now Nuno did his job at one, uh, but we didn't didn't get the win at two. And when your two isn't beating their four, that's that's a little rough. But I'll tell you what, I was. I I didn't know a lot of the a lot of the Baylor guys, especially the ones that are down low. And boy, that that kid that was playing five, boy Tan, he hits bombs. It was like watching the the same thing from five at TCU the day before. They are they're super deep. I mean, when they get Benitez and and Smith in the lineup, I'm looking at that going, boy, can they really keep? Now maybe outdoors, it's a different story because boy Tan hits so big, but I. Boy, I don't know how you keep that guy out of the lineup. Uh, so they were just they, they were impressive down low, but no, absolutely, you you feel like you got you got to win, and that was and they dropped the doubles point in that one. So after having won what eighteen straight doubles points, right. they finally dropped one there uh, and and had to come back and get four singles matches, and it just didn't happen. At least they were able to close it out uh, against Notre Dame on on Sunday and and get a win before they got home. So that that was good, but but definitely not the weekend they were looking for. No, I, I agree, and you mentioned, I want to go back real quick, the things that surprised me, you talked about the TCU Famba at five indoors, oh my god, was his serve something to see, that was surprising, it was also surprising to see how much of a factor a factor indoor tennis is, even at this level, you know, it really makes a difference for these guys, you can tell who grew up training outdoors, who grew up training indoors, and that's something you have to keep in mind when you're looking at these types of, uh, types of events, something I think people did a good job of in their in their previews of the articles, a lot of people took Ohio State because you're all boring and you don't like creativity. Matt and I do like creativity. That's why we put our necks out there. And Matt, the team I'm most disappointed in and someone who in our article you wrote about as having a case as a dark horse, someone I agreed with every single point you made as well, Notre Dame going 0-3 this weekend. I really thought, given that it was an indoor event, they would do something special. You know, they had tough matches. They played UCLA on the first day, and I believe they lose that match 4-1, but it was a pretty close 4-1. Then they lose 4-2 to Columbia to end the weekend by losing uh, 4-2 to Mississippi State. They were right there, but I don't know. Given how many people they they have coming back in this year's lineup, Chris, it's it's probably a little. Or I guess I should say, Matt, since you made the case, it, it was unexpected. Yeah, I, I thought the Irish had a chance to upset a couple teams. You know, they had looked very good prior to the tournament, and you know, I maybe went out on a little bit of a limb there, but I actually felt pretty. No, I loved yeah, it. I loved I, it. I felt actually pretty confident in those guys. I mean, I just feel like their lineup is solid. They play pretty good doubles. You know, just the whole the whole team. That's a squad that that is dangerous, and you know, it it didn't happen. And I guess it goes to show us that. I mean, all the teams that were there are really, really good teams. And, you know, we talked about Mississippi State going one and two, but, you know, I think they're a better outdoor team anyways. And, you know, really all of these top teams can beat beat each other on any given day. I guess that's really the bottom line is whoever shows up on that day is feeling good, is ready to play, and is playing better tennis is going to win that match. And you can look at seedings and you can look at rankings. We can talk about that all day long, but... Who's going to show up and play well? I mean, that's the bottom line, right? No, absolutely. That's why having, you know, coaching does matter. Having Coach Tucker on his guys from point one, that's why those Buckeyes are so fired up to play. Chris, I'll ask, you know, we can end here. Any disappointments for you? 
Yeah, so I'll, other I'll than, throw in. I like, should say, other than having your press pass revoked. Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll throw in the other. Uh, you know, it was a, just a rough weekend for me all the way around because <laughs> the the two SEC teams we've already talked about as being disappointments, and then of course my preseason favorite USC. Uh, boy, just as rough a weekend. Uh, you know, they 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 get the opening win over Florida in a tight match that you think, wow, that's uh, you know, maybe maybe they're both just that good, and then. And then they both end up leaving leaving the place one and two uh, for for USC to get drummed the way they did uh, by by Texas, uh, and then turn around and and take another beating from Virginia. It uh, it it wasn't a great weekend for them. Uh, I'm still not you know I'm not overly concerned for them. Maybe a little more so maybe than I was before. But a we're indoors. Let's get outdoors. Although they've got some guys like Riley Smith that should be really good indoors. Um, but you know, we'll get outdoors. And, and as we've talked all year, these guys had they're you know, they're 10 deep and, and Peter Smith's going to find the guys that are playing, you know, playing well when he needs them to be playing well and, and adjust the lineup accordingly. And so he's, he's still got a lot of lineup questions. They'll, They'll they'll be fine, but it was definitely, uh, I'm sure, a disappointing weekend for them. Even as a 13 seed, they I'm I'm sure they did not expect to come in and go one and two. Well, you, you we are going to go out of order because that's a perfect place to transition. One of the questions we have in this article: the coach with the most soul searching to do about his lineup, Chris. Who would you put in that spot? I I guess it's. I think it's got to be it's got to be Pete Peter Smith. I mean, there there are teams that have we have questions about their lineup. I don't think they have as many options of what to do. You know, they might have a, they can flip some guys, or maybe they've got one guy at the bottom that they can bring in to play. You know, they've got a seven that could come in and they could sit somebody. Um, but there are few teams that probably run as deep as I'll say USC and probably Baylor to where, uh, you know, they go so deep that they've got all kinds of possibilities. Baylor didn't have it this weekend, so it wasn't a question. But but I think Peter Smith, you know, it's not for bad reasons necessarily, but he's, uh, you know, he's just got so many options and he's seen them. He's tried a bunch of them already. Uh, and it, but now he's got to get back outdoors and really figure out who's playing well and who he's gonna who he's gonna be playing uh, at four or five. And it's not just four five six. They had Jack Jade submit you know in at three, but pulled him once, if not twice, maybe only once. I'm not sure if it was twice or not. But they 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 pulled him. Um, so really, from from three down, I mean, I think Jaden Verboven are probably you know they're going to be in the lineup in all likelihood, but and Verboven for sure. But everybody else uh, is you know you could play four or five, six different guys from from in the bottom. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And Matt, I'm assuming you're going to take the other side of that first round matchup. You're going to say the Florida Gators? No, not at all. I'm actually, I'm going to take a different angle with this. And so the coach, you know, soul searching or, you know, maybe that has to do a little uh, praying to a higher power uh, (laughs) is going to have to be UCLA's Billy Martin because (laughs) I think he might be a little bit in trouble here. Um you know, they're missing Connor Hance. We don't know long how long he's going to be out for. That hurts their depth right there. And then, you know, Keegan Smith goes down. I think you guys saw that. I don't know exactly what happened. He rolled his ankle or something. 
Um, so he's he's currently out. How serious is that injury? You know, he's going to have to, you know, I don't know if he has to figure out what to do. His, Like Chris mentioned, USC has all the options. I don't think UCLA has any options. So Billy Martin is going to have to figure out what the hell he's going to do to be able to compete with some of these teams because if these guys are out for an extended period of time, ah, I don't know, man. Uh, I think that's an excellent point, and you talk about for UCLA in that Pac-12 with Stanford, USC, Cal, Oregon's got some good players as well. You know, if they lose too many matches, if they can't host a regional, if, you know, Smith, Hans are coming back in May, and we don't know if that's their timeline, but early matches matter, especially you you got to get that home seating for the regional. And, you know, if UCLA falls out of that equation, they already lose 4-0 to TCU, and TCU's an incredible team. But still, if 4-0, you know, you never want to lose a match 4-0 when you're at a national indoors. And so that hurts. I think you make good points. And for my team, you know, we already talked about it. Wake Forest, because the talent's there. When, when you're blessed with Bornegojo, Petros, Risokos, and Barbatzer as your top three, you, you can afford, you know, you have a margin for error. They're going to get you through a lot of matches, and it's just for Coach Bresky. What's the combination that works for me? Everyone four through, you know, I think Estafliu is that good. I really liked what I saw from his game. I think indoors, it's just tough for him when you're playing the big servers. Uh, you know, he's playing. I think Cernok, who's just hitting bombs, and he's playing uh, Joyce, who's hitting bombs, and it's tough. But I think the talent is really there, and they're the defending champs. What I learned this weekend as well, experience matters. It was a rematch of the NCAAs. We were all like, oh, so many different teams can win. Florida, Mississippi State, all these new teams. Nope, like none of that's true. Turns out we're just going to get a rematch of last year's NCAA final. So experience matters, and Wake has that. And that's something, especially if they're getting Dempster back. I mean, Coach Bresky, you're mad you lost in the final, but you have the lineup for success, so I think that's really something they can look at. Now, I'm going to poach this next question first in terms of the most interesting result from the weekend because Chris talked about it, and I think another lineup you can mention is the Florida lineup as well as that USC team. That's a 4-3 decision where we saw you know, the veterans on the Florida roster, Inglitson, Perez, Kessler, all getting wins at the bottom of the lineup, and we saw the young guys, Andrade, Rafice, Crawford, all losing close matches if you're Coach Brian Shelton, I think you're encouraged by that. You're like, look, my veterans are getting the job done. You know, Ingleton and Perez also win in doubles. Uh, Crawford and Rafice lose 6-4. Valley, and I think Chris talked about it in the recap, that was a crazy moment with an overrule as well. So that's its own hoopla. But if you're Coach Shelton and you're, you know, we'll see if he doesn't move Alfredo Perez up the lineup as he gets healthy. But you're like, okay, my, you know, the bottom of my lineup, it's true. Our, the, the depth that we have and the amount of talent we have is different. We just need our top guys to learn how to execute in the big moments, and the, that comes with experience. So I just thought this result is the epitome of two talented teams who just have a lot of choices to make. Yeah, and I think you know, if you look at the, the, the body of work, for the entire weekend for Florida, one of one of the things that I think we saw so so their sixth this weekend should have been Lucas Greif, and wow. unfortunately, he I mean he he was who was submitted at six, but Greif had the flu, ah. uh, and so he, that's who he I couldn't got play. From. So yeah, yeah. If you did if you did heads up with uh, with Lucas <laughs> Greif, who you probably wouldn't know if you saw him, um, but uh, but yeah, he and I think. 
when we saw, you know, especially what happened on the, the last night with Florida and uh, in the match with Stanford, and they they pull Perez the last day, so they end up playing Vale at five and Kessler at six, and Vale comes back and looks like he's going to close a match out. Didn't get to finish. He was on match point actually. Didn't get to finish, but Kessler. Uh, is down 5-2 in the third double break, gets both breaks back to get to 5-all, and as quickly as he did that, he then gets broken and and, and Timothy Saw holds and Stanford wins. But uh, I think the struggles we saw uh, to some extent down there, down low for Florida after the USC match makes me think that uh, that probably helps solidify Greif at six uh, for them. Uh, and And so I think we'll... So and I don't know and having not seen a lot of him yet, I I don't know, but I think uh, I know they're I know they're really really high on him, uh, and so that we get outdoors and and he's you know obviously gets rid of the flu. We'll we'll get to see how that is, and they've got a big match coming up. I'm not I, it's sometime I think in March they've got Wake coming down to Florida, so the, so that'll be a great match. No, for sure, and you know Matt, uh, I'll ask you your result of the weekend. Uh, my m- most interesting result would be that quarterfinal match between Texas and USC. Uh, didn't see that one coming. 4-0, really? I mean, really? I was expecting a barn burner there. Uh, weren't we all? I mean, USC comes off that win against Florida. They looked pretty good. They edged that one out. You know, Texas is very good, but— well. Here's the thing, though. Bullis, Sands, who were playing five and six for— or I think only Bullis played six, and they threw Jade back in. Yeah. But he was coming off of injury. These guys are young. This Texas team is experienced. They know who's playing what and why. And I really think it mattered a ton this weekend. Yeah, but look. I mean, Brandon Holt's been around. Lawrence Verboven's a senior. C- That's Cougarman's true. played— They're young, but they're not that young. I mean, I don't know— I, <laughs> Really, I, I don't want to use that yeah, as an excuse. You're right. I, I just you're right. I think they they laid a bit of an egg in that match. They're they're too good of a team to lose for to not get a point against Texas. As good as Texas is, and I love Texas. Texas is a top five team to me. But USC, we've touched on their depth and their talent, their skill throughout this this whole year. Every podcast we've done together. It's unacceptable to lose 4-0, and I know they're more of an outdoor team. You know, if they played that outdoors, the result might be a little bit different. But if you're asking me what my most interesting, bizarre result was, to me, that's it. Because I thought that was going to be like a 4-3 kind of match, similar to the USC-Florida match from from the night before. And we didn't get it. We didn't get anything like that. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Chris. Boy, I think uh, you know, in one that that didn't didn't really matter. I'll say neither here nor there because it wasn't a, a main draw, if you will, match. But the one that kind of I I just thought was interesting based on on how the team had played the rest of the weekend was the Columbia Baylor match. I mean, Columbia really great. took it to them, and Baylor played great. I mean, they played they were tight with North Carolina. They beat Mississippi State, uh, and then. They come in and Columbia basically kind of kind of had their way. I mean, they 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 take fairly comfortable wins at at one and two. Uh, they get another uh, another win at you know six one in the straight sets at six, and they win the doubles point. Uh, I mean, that four one win that that surprised me. Yes, I know Baylor was missing a couple guys, but 
you know, didn't stop them from playing great in their first two matches. So, so that was really, so, I mean, that was kind of, I think an eye opener for, for me as to just how good these Columbia guys are. I mean, Columbia was really, really good this weekend. And we talked about it, Chris, on site. These are guys who look like they'll be just as proficient at outdoor tennis too. These are grinders and scrappers. Yeah. Yeah, They're an indoor team. At least you, you know them as an indoor team because they're from the Northeast. They play indoors, but you look at the team and in addition to looking like they would be in a math bowl, they, uh, <laughs> they, they look like they look like an outdoor team. I mean, the, you know, I didn't stand right next to them, but most of the guys don't look like they could be touching six foot tall. No. Now Ambr- Ambrosi is, but I mean, yeah, sure. but, but you know, Jack, Jack Lynn, Victor Pham, Jackie Tang, Tim Wong, those guys, they look like they're all from at least, you know, 20 feet away. Like they're all five ten at five eleven at best. And none of them are charging the net. You know, they don't, they're just, they look like an outdoor team that's been forced to play indoors. I would have to think that they just grind you to death outdoors. No, I, I totally fair. And I'll say this, you know, they may not make an NCAA semifinal, but if you see them in the quarterfinals, do not be shocked at all because, you know, teams 6 through 16, all very, very close in skill level. So this is a team, if they're playing good tennis, look out for them. Well, then, our last question uh, from the article. We know Ohio State won this weekend. We know they were the number one team coming in. They've got wins over USC, wins over Stanford, wins over all of the te- you know Wake Forest now, Texas. Uh, they beat in the quarterfinals uh, Virginia. They beat Tulane. They, they have earned their number one ranking. But I guess my question to you, and, and Matt, I want to start with you because I know your belief in Florida, so I think it'll be interesting to see what this weekend did to it. Is Ohio State now considered the favorite to win the NCAA title in May? Well, yeah. I mean, right now, without having played outdoor tennis, look, we've only played indoors, right? So we can't really go off of anything else. At this point, I think there's no choice but to say Ohio State's the favorite today. Right now, they're the favorite. Um, You know, that could obviously change within the next couple of weeks and months. But right now, look, they haven't lost. They've been rolling through teams. Yes, indoors, but I don't really care. I mean, their doubles is great. J.J. Wolf is playing on another level. McNally stepped up. Their whole team, their depth, the guys at the lower part of the lineup, coached by Ty Tucker, they've really just, they've been solid all year long. I have no reason to, to not say that they're the favorite, you know, we can talk about them playing indoors, outdoors, whatever. We haven't played outdoor tennis yet. So as of right now, this moment, absolutely they're the favorite. Could it change? So then, sure, but uh, yeah. I'll ask you this. If I give you a chance to go back on your pick earlier in the year, Florida or Ohio State in May, are you sticking with the Gators? Oh, 100%. Oh, that's what I was looking for. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, no, I'm not changing that. I I will not change that. I'm not going to go back on that until Florida loses, you know, you know, Florida does something crazy. Again, Florida, I think, is a much better outdoor team. They will be a much better outdoor team than they were indoors. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about Florida yet. Let's play some outdoor tennis and then we can revisit this question again. But as of right now, Look, Ohio State is the best team in the country right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Chris, same question to you. Oh, they're absolutely the favorite. Uh, I mean, there's the, the way they uh, – I don't care if it was indoors or not. Just the way they dismantled everybody is it makes has to make them the favorite. Uh, yep. And But to the, same, to the same point that Matt made, I mean, yes, let's get outdoors and maybe, maybe they don't – 
dismantle everybody. But I don't think, honestly, I don't think you're going to get a chance to see uh, much until we get to NCAAs. I mean, they've got uh, – If you're about to take a shot at Michigan, Chris, you know I'm going to respond. No, I'm going to – I'm going to say they've got four, maybe five questionable. I mean, like any chance at all that with a hiccup, they could lose matches and that's it. Right. So they've got Texas. Um, and the, the, the one that I was actually throwing in as a half was, was Texas A&M. I don't think they've got to be back. So with a hiccup, maybe it could happen, but I don't think so. But so they've got A&M, they've got Texas. And then in the big 10, Right. You've got Michigan and you've got uh, Illinois. So so there's there's four. And I think there might you know, there, so there might be one other match. But there's just there's not that many opportunities for them to lose the rest of the way out. Uh, Pretty sure they're coming to Ann Arbor in April. I'll be there. I'll be yep. in Michigan gear. I apologize in advance. I can't help it. I'm coming after you, McNally. I'm coming. And uh, I'm not coming after you guys. You guys are my boys. But Cope, uh, look, I'm. Just try not to notice me, please. Uh, yeah, I I think you guys have made the case, so I'm not uh, – uh, yes, when you look at the resume, they're number one in the country for the reason. I don't think anyone would dispute that. But let's end here. We've been doing this now on all of our podcasts. I want you guys to give me your top five schools at the end of this event. And I'm sorry I'm stuttering and everything. The sickness, the the pod record. I rec- I, I'm not sure if it'll come out before or after this, but if anyone listens to this podcast, go check out our Cracked Interviews episode I just recorded with Kennedy Schaefer. It was an absolute blast. And, you know, she is a former Georgia Bulldog. The Georgia Bulldogs won the women's NCAA National Indoors. We got to talk about a little bit about that. A lot of uh, just so much fun stuff. So go listen to that. But I've been ranting for long enough. Chris, let's start with you. Give me your top five. All right. Well, mine's easy. Although by the time this gets out, it may not be because I keep my li- my live top twenty five up I, on the site. I promise so. this will this will be released much sooner than the ITA kickoff weekend recap was. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as it's out before the weekend, it'll still be there. So my top five at number five, I've got Virginia. Number four, North Carolina. Number three, Texas. Number two, Wake Forest, and number one, Ohio State. I mean. Uh, I feel like we're all about to agree on all of these teams because we all watch the same tennis. I have the uh, not exactly the same, uh, pretty similar. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris, Matt, you, you want to go? Yeah, very similar there. I've just got flipped at four and five. So I've got North Carolina at uh, five, Virginia at four, Texas at three, Wake Forest at two, and Ohio State at one. See. I think Ohio State Wake Forest one two. You can't really dispute at this point. It's really that three through five that's interesting. I really wanted to give TCU the number five spot, but then I, you know, looked in the mirror and thought, could I do that to my Virginia Cavaliers? And the answer is <laughs> absolutely not. And I should also add one of the biggest disappointments on the weekend. I did not have the courage to introduce myself to Coach Andres Pedroso or Coach Scott Brown of the UVA Hoos. I didn't get to talk to any of their teammates, and you guys know I'm a huge Virginia fan. I was in awe. I was like, damn, they're actually standing in front of me, and I'm taller than them, and is that going to be intimidating? What do I do with my hands? Like, Are they going to be like, who's this gangly kid? Why is he here? Like, it's kind of weird. And, um, and so Coach Pedroso, Coach Brown, if you listen to this, you are more than invited onto the Cracked Interviews podcast. Whenever you want to come up by, please do. But that was me stalling because I didn't want to make some hard choices. Ohio State number one, Wake Forest two, 
UNC three, Texas four, Michigan five. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, TCU's good friend UVA is going to be number five. I'm sorry, Coach Radini and everyone else. I just got to stick with my Cavaliers there. But that being said, you could make a case for any teams, you know, three through ten. If we did the top ten, this would have taken much longer. There would have been much more debate. And I'm tired. It was a long weekend. It was fun. But Chris is probably like, Alex, don't call me for two weeks. I, I'm going to get on your voice. <laughs> yeah, Chris could probably talk for 12 hours straight. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris is just as loopy as I am, and that's why we're – Chris is just as loopy as Alex, and that's why we're talking third person. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. But all right, then uh, we'll end here. Uh, Matt, uh, you go first. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, g- great weekend overall. Again, wish I was there with you guys. I'm sure you had a blast. I tried to watch everything I could. But yeah, no, Ohio State, man, they're the real deal. Huge credit to them for, for storming through all of these teams, basically, and, and taking the indoor title. Uh, Ty Tucker's a beast, man. You got to love that guy. So Big credit to the Buckeyes, uh, Wake Forest as well. They played a good tournament. You know, they had some scares. They got to the finals. So, you know, overall, they can't be too disappointed. I mean, obviously, they would have loved to have won it. But um, great weekend. Got to love that tournament. Hopefully, Chicago was good to you guys. I was born in Chicago. Haven't been back there in a while. But uh, it's a pretty cool place. So hopefully, you guys had fun. Uh, I had fun, but she was not kind to my immune system. She got the best of me. And you can ask Chris, Mom, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but I showed up so hungover on Saturday. And I was just like, <laughs> I just breathed. I was like, oh, this tennis actually revitalized me. I was like, damn. I think it was, I went out, let me think. It was the Saturday, so the first match. Yeah, I went out and watched Blumberg Rybakov. And I was like, all right, I'm up. This is good. Like, this this works. And then, again, I scarfed down my wonderful Midtown Athletic Club turkey bacon Swiss sandwich and was rejuvenated. I was a new human. But, Chris, you, you don't care about that. Any last thoughts from you? Yeah. Well, you know, so I, the, as far I think we've covered all the tennis, I'll say one thing. That that facility was absolutely outstanding. The, I think we need, to do, we need to do some press for them because I, I got back to work today and tried to describe to some people the place – and that it had, I think the guy told me when we checked in, like 3 million square feet of athletic facility and everything that was on all the floors. And I go to the website to try to show them, and there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't do it justice. So so if, for the people that didn't get to make it there, uh, if, if you get a chance, and it was not outrageously uh, priced for being where it is in Chicago, if you get a chance to go and stay at that, I mean, I was talking about it's a good winter a winter vacation spot because you can go and stay and work out. They've got, you know, between the pool and the bikes and the AstroTurf field and, and the, the gym and every, you, if, if you're an exercise kind of person, you, you can vacation there and never leave the building. It was, no. it was outstanding. And they've got a restaurant, they've got a hotel, they've got, I mean, out, outstanding. World-class event. And that's why we at Cracked Rackets were so excited for it because we think if we can, you know, make this sport popular, get this out to enough people who see this, they will be enticed. They will want to come. And I, I've said this, I feel like on seven straight podcasts, but of all of the non-revenue sports, you know, tennis has the highest retention rate of fans in college sports. And so that matters. If we can show people how fun these events are, I mean, what on day one you had, let me count real quick. You had two, four, three matches to end the day, two, four, two matches as well. The tennis was phenomenal. You know, on, on Saturday, you have one, two, two more uh, four, three matches. Just such good tennis from all of these teams. The level is so high. 
do not miss out on college tennis. If you live near a local college, it is worth, you know, an hour drive, even if it's that far, because you will enjoy your experience. And I think it will, if you have kids, if you are a current, you know, young player, it will inspire you to want to become better at this sport. But enough talking for me. I, I need to go take some NyQuil or something and just knock the, I was going to say, whatever, and knock the f*** out for the next couple hours. But we will leave that there. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you so much for, you know, enduring all that is the Cracker Rackets experience this weekend for hopping out on all the pods. It really, oh, you know, I know our fans appreciate it so much from hearing, uh, hearing from you. So thank you for taking the time to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, and Matt, you know, fans like to hear from you a little bit less than Chris, but still always, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know how I feel about you. You know how fond and affectionate I am for you. Hey, I'm just here so I don't get fined, man. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after reading all of your answers, it was you or Christian. I was like, man, Christian needs to, you know, ease up on the commas, my guy. And so that's just a little shot. No, I'm just kidding, Matt. You know you're always welcome. And by the way, give me your – real quick, this is not college-related, but you get 15 seconds. Riley Opelka wins New York Open. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal effort. I mean, the big man, I think he broke the record for most aces in a single week tournament. So he was just ripping them all week indoors. Uh, Big man on the rise. I think he's up to like 57 or 58 in the world now. So he should be into pretty much every, you know, main event that he needs to get into. So hopefully he can keep it going. Westoff's going to get mad at me, but a little cross-promotion. We're doing a changeover chat, U.S. versus Davis or U.S. versus Canada, college tennis format, 97 through 2,000 prospects. I said Fritz 1, Opelka 2, Tiafo 3 What at, for singles. What are your initial thoughts to that, both of you, real quick? Matt, go first. Ah, uh, That's all right, man. I— I don't know. I mean, Francis is a bit of a wild card. See, if he's playing well, I want him at number one. I, this is my exact dilemma. I felt like Ty Tucker. Right. Well, or or Tony Bresky. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, Francis is the bit of a wild card there. I mean, I think Taylor and Riley are going to be a bit more consistent. You know what you're going to get with those so, guys. But Riley at two is a lock. Like, that's for sure happening. I just love the idea of the huge server at two. You're just like, like they're, they don't play the best player who might have the skills to make returns. No, he's playing your two. And if your two isn't up to par, you're, you're in trouble. Look, no matter what, I, I, I like all three of those guys. I really do. So <laughs> Chris is like, get me off the line. <laughs> I was just, well, I was just waiting to hear your four, five, six. Oh, so I, I don't want well, I know Rothman will never listen to a podcast. He's not on, so I can give it away for you guys. No, Donaldson's a 96, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Uh, so my initial lineup, and I've been going back and forth on it with Tommy Jonathan Paul. Kelly. So I go Fritz, Opelka, Tiafo. I have Mo at four as an athletic wild card who just you are going to be in for a battle. At five, this was really a tough choice for me. I took Chris Eubanks. I love the idea of the big server at five throwing you off in the Martin Joyce type fashion. And then I took Tommy at six, and it's like you still have Kozlov, Blanche, J.J. Wolf, Korda, Kipson, Nakashima on the bench. It's a, it's a really fun exercise. My doubles lineup, you guys will like this. Blumberg, Paul, one. Opelka, Fritz, two. Mo, Tiafo, three. I mean, it's juicy. Blumberg doesn't even play one doubles at North Carolina. <laughs> well, this is why everybody always tells you when, you, when they listen to the pods. Gruska's got some wild takes, man. 
but that's why people listen. I mean, we have to have the wild takes. I just want to set up Opelka and Fritz to play two doubles because, like, they're not. So they won Kalamazoo. They've had success, but I swear to God, I've watched them. Huge fans of their game. So high on their upside. They're not a good doubles team, and it's just like, well, if you play them at two, they can get away with just like (laughs) good luck breaking that duo. But it's just you know, it's. I'm just scheming. I was having a lot of fun. I've thought way too much about it. And again, we're totally off topic. So I will let you guys go. A huge shout out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who did just one f- job this weekend. And as always, has a f- an editing job to do. But one last time from College Tennis Ranks, Chris Hallioris, from our very own Matt Stachowiak, and from the entire Cracked Rackets team, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Matt, Chris, what do we say to our fans? Hey. I'll let Matt take it. Great shot. Oh, poaching like Will Blumberg as my number one doubles. I love it. And we will see you all in the future. Thanks, guys.